In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today, my friends, is the feast day of Christ Jesus the King. And I want you real quick, look in the front of your bulletins. Take out the front of your bulletins so that you see the icon that's there. The icon that you see on the front of the bulletin is an icon written in the 13th century on Mount Athos. And the title of this icon is Jesus Christ, the King of Glory. The King of Glory. My friends, here we have an embodiment, when you look at that icon, we have an embodiment of the great paradox of our salvation. A great paradox predicated on the very nature of God that confounded all of those during the time of our Lord Jesus Christ when they looked upon Him. For many thought Him to be the Messiah, but thought that a kingly person would come to become the Messiah, and yet He was not that. He was a paradox even to them. He continues to confound those who are learned and wise today with the true nature of the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, if you saw this icon hanging on a wall, you were walking by. If you saw this icon hanging on a wall and it had no title to it, would the first thing that comes out of your mouth be, oh, this is the icon of Jesus Christ, the King of glory. And yet that is precisely what this icon is. Has been titled. And look at what we see in this icon. We see his nail scarred hands. We see the pierced side, his tortured body. We see his eyes closed. We see the all holy and life giving cross. We see the sarcophagus, the tomb into which his dead and lifeless body would be placed. And we see a mother suffering the torments of a mother who watched the son go through all of these things. And in this and through this, we're expected to behold through this icon, this window into heaven, the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the church says yes and amen. Absolutely, this is what you see when you see this blessed icon. Because what you see here is Christ presented in the reality for which he was exalted to his kingship. To be king of kings and lord of lords that would, become, that would come through his self-offering. His denial of himself. His wrapping our flesh around us. His condescending from glory to experience the fullness of humanity. Including his torture and his death. To enter into it all that you may be saved and be made a kingdom of priests and kings. And for his humility. And love that is on display that you see in that icon. For that he is exalted and has become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we see it in the Mass today and we see it in Holy Scripture. The intro that was sung by the choir that begins this very Mass. The words that you heard sung were directly from Revelation in chapter 12. And in Revelation in chapter 12, those very words are considered to be the song of heaven. We're told that in Revelation 12, we're told that the angels sing that song. The elders sing that song. That 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands all join with the angels and the elders to sing the song that you heard sung this morning. And here are the words. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. In other words, worthy is the very one that you see pictured in this blessed icon. And for this very reason is he worthy. For what he did and how far he went that he might bring his people back to himself and restore them. In the preface of the Mass of Christ the King that you will hear chanted in just a few moments. Listen to these words because they go along with this very idea. O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, Everlasting God, who hast anointed thine only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, with the oil of gladness to be a priest forever and King of all, so that by offering himself upon the altar of the cross, he might accomplish the mystery of mankind's redemption and subduing under his rule the whole creation. And how would our Lord subdue under his rule the whole creation? By giving his life away. By becoming the ultimate love and humble sacrifice. For the pouring out of his own blood for the remission of sins. He continues. That he might render unto thy eternal majesty a kingdom. Endless and universal. A kingdom of truth and life. A kingdom of grace and holiness. A kingdom of peace, of love and of righteousness. His becoming king, that he might offer us this endless kingdom, this kingdom of life, grace, and holiness, peace, and love, and righteousness. It is all predicated on his self-offering. And the humility found in that kind of love that would give itself away solely for the benefit and salvation of the others. It's his condescension from glory from on high that he was wrapped with for all eternity and throughout timelessness as he is the word of God, the Alpha and the Omega. He would condescend from that glory and he would wrap around himself our broken and ill and sinful flesh and blood and he would join it to his divinity so perfectly so that by his condescension all of us might ascend. We might raise up, rise up from death and corruption and taste life and become the same humility for which we found our salvation in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even in Revelation chapter 19, we have here the very description of our Lord Jesus Christ as, as the King of Kings that you heard read this morning in Matthews. It says this about our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. He was clothed with a robe. Listen to this. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. This is how your King of Kings is arrayed. And his name is called the Word of God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I tell you that the entire kingdom of God and our very salvation, they are tied to this incredible paradox that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it has everything to do with our living under his rule, the rule of this king. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to have our human nature cast down and put to death with him. That we might be raised to life through the same Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And arrayed with life 
From his robe dipped in blood, we're given white, clean robes where everything has been washed away and we've been made new again and again and again. And by that Holy Spirit, we are given the ability to become partakers in the very same divine nature. What is that nature, that love and humility that we're speaking about? St. Paul says it almost the best. I don't know if I've seen it put better in Philippians in chapter 2 about this very nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where he teaches us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And there's something I have to stop right there because but by the Holy Spirit, this is not possible, but by the Holy Spirit it is. In other words, what is St. Paul saying? He said, the mind that Christ always had in offering himself for the life of the world. You can have the same mind in this life. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That arrogance, self-centeredness gets cast off. And you can be arrayed and live this life with a mind of humility and love. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that mind? Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Of course he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He is the Word of God. And yet being the Word of God, he goes on, he says, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, by that humility, by such incredible love fleshed out, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let this mind be in you, the same one of Christ. And what's that mind? To live a life of a posture of extraordinary humility. And perfect love, both towards God and towards one another. You know, the church has written numerous interpretations of the icon that you've got on that front page. I'm going to read to you just a portion of one because it speaks still to this humility. It says, Christ did not humble himself to reach a moral perfection or for his own benefit. Why? Because he was perfect. He needed no excelling in morals or virtues. He is the fullness of them all. Christ did not humble himself to reach a moral perfection for his own benefit. His humility is emptiness. It is the pouring out of himself, and it is understood under these terms. He freely takes the human nature, except for sin, and reaches even to death to heal the human nature and deify it. Meaning to make it like him, as we we're always designed to be, to grow into the likeness of God, growing from the image of God that we were given. And how will we see this King of glory and Lord of lords eternally? In the revelation that John was given, the first time he sees his Lord in heaven. This revelation in chapter 5. He sees Jesus Christ and they're proclaiming him to be the only one worthy to open the scrolls. But how does John see him for the first time? As a lamb who had been slain. Why? 
Because the way that our Lord appeared to those men after his resurrection was in a resurrected body like we will all have. He took our human flesh into the grave, into death. And when he was raised, he had the resurrected body promised for all of us. That's why he could show Thomas the nails where he put his finger, the place where, they, where the nails went, where he put his finger in. And in the side, he touched Jesus and put his hand in his side because he had his glorified person. And when he ascended into heaven, my friends, he has never let loose of our flesh, deified, glorified, because of its being joined to the divinity. Because of its being joined to the divinity. And so St. John sees him as the Lamb who was slain, constantly testifying to his love and humility and work of salvation. How do we respond to such a thing on this day and every day when we celebrate the Feast of Christ the King? Well, the verse should be obvious. We worship Him every day of our lives because if you even just saw a bit more of a glimpse, not even the totality, of how far God in Christ went for your salvation, I tell you the rest of our days on this earth, praying and pondering over that very reality, how far our Lord Jesus Christ Christ our God went for our salvation, we would be brought to wonder and tears of joy and we would be drawn to his most precious heart by his love and by his humility and by his dedication to save us. And so we worship him. But there's something else that our Lord would have us be encouraged towards. Another exhortation this day. How do we respond to what Christ has done? We respond in kind by letting the Holy Spirit have His blessed work in us that we become love and we become humility and that we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and that we love one another as we love ourselves. You see, what I read to you from St. Paul in Philippians in chapter 2, when he's talking about the humility of Christ, you have to understand that that comes on the heels of a great exhortation that he gave the church of Philippi that he is to give us today. Because at the very beginning of Philippians in chapter 2, listen to what the blessed apostle is calling us into regarding our lives. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort in love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own self-interests, but also for the interests of others. My friends, I tell you, one of the most blessed roles and one of the most critical roles that any priest in Christ church has is to constantly be bringing you to Christ in such a way that you become love and that you walk in humility all of your days. That's how the church presents every one of us, a pure and spotless bride before our Lord Jesus Christ, is to keep you before this King of love, this King of kings of love and humility that you see on the front, that icon on the front of your bulletins, so that all the days of your life you learn from Him 
by seeing Him clearly and by the Holy Spirit within you. That all of the pride that comes both from choices we make, our own personalities, pride even comes from woundedness. That all of the pride begins to diminish and there becomes this flood of love and humility where we look around at each one in the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ and we become their bondservant. We, it becomes a Christian life, what a true Christian life is, which is a constant life of self-offering, not trying to get. Why? Because on the backside of self-offering, we gain everything. Because by our Lord Jesus Christ himself testifying today as the King of kings and Lord of lords, he was exalted because of his perfect love and humility and actions and salvation. And so, my friends, if you will humble yourselves before the Lord and before one another, He too will lift you up and exalt you, and you will experience the joy of salvation every day of your lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the